Hey everybody, welcome back to the Liberty on Fire podcast. This is your host, Libertarian Tony. So I wanted to try something different. I have this really advanced microphone set up, super expensive, and I want to see how the audio comes out to see if I got my money's worth. And by really advanced uh, microphone setup, I'm talking about just recording this on my phone. So yeah, I found this app that is supposedly pretty good at recording audio for podcasts and for other things like doing, uh, I guess, journal journalism. With you know, I don't know even know if journalism exists anymore. But yeah, you're supposed to be able to conduct an interview using this software and record things that maybe you want to save and and use in podcasts. So anyway, I'm going to give it a try, and I hope it all works out. Uh, this is going to be kind of a quick podcast, and I want to talk about a couple of things. So I know I've done some, I guess, you know, Wuhan virus type podcasts in the past, and uh, I guess, I, I don't know, I don't really want to talk about the virus, but it's all over the news, and it seems like that's the only thing people want to talk about nowadays. So I, I don't know how many more I'm going to do on the virus, but let me just comment on a few things. So you got this uh, CDC guy, uh, Anthony Fauci, who uh, appears to be advising Trump. But, I, I mean, the things this guy is saying is, are, are just a little kind of ludicrous to me. And in the recent past, he was talking about over 200,000 deaths in the U.S. that were estimated, and this was the model that they were using to predict you know, what the virus was going to do in this country. And now everything is being revised down, right? After we've seen how, I guess, few cases have actually shown up in around the country in different states, and uh, how many, how few cases end up in are ending up in all our hospitals. Well, now it's revised down to about sixty thousand. Well, what's the deal with that? These people will say that it was because of the lockdown that we put in place. Well, is it? I mean, certainly, like, just completely isolating yourself in your home is going to prevent you from getting the virus now, yes, and it'll, it'll hopefully, I guess, prevent a large number of people from getting it at the same time. And I, I think that's what their goal was, was to kind of prevent the mass rush of people into the hospitals all at the same time. And I guess, yeah, that's helpful, but... This is a huge revision in the numbers, right? A huge revision going from over 200,000 to 60,000. And of course, this is a guesstimate. They don't really know. And, and that's the problem I have with the government response to everything that's going on with the virus is that they don't really know and they're guessing. So yeah, it was good that Trump didn't try to issue some sort of nationwide order of a lockdown because, number one, it's unconstitutional, and number two, it just probably wouldn't have helped, and you would have gotten uh, certain pushback on that, right? It should, government should be local, right? And what happens in one state doesn't necessarily need to happen in another state, and you can even go down to the city and county level, right? What happens in New York City is going to be way different than the number of cases they're going to get up in uh, the sticks in upstate New York. So, yeah, not every part of a state or an area has to be treated the same. 
and, and other things that this Fauci guy has been saying. He's been talking about that we're probably never going to be able to shake hands again. And yeah, the virus, he says, is going to come back. And yeah, well, it probably will come back. It's probably going to be with us for good. Uh, it may end up being some sort of uh, just add in to the whole flu thing, right? To the flu season. And we won't know until you get tested. And if you have a fever, a headache, and, and body aches, or do you have the flu or do you have this, you know, coronavirus? Because a lot of the symptoms can cross over. And, you know, then what? When it comes back, do we have a whole nother shutdown? I mean, it, that was ridiculous from, I guess, my point of view from the beginning. So the CDC... They put out numbers saying that they, they think about 80,000 people died of the influenza. Okay, this is the regular old flu. 80,000 people died in the U.S. in 2018. And there was no government shutdown. So now the government estimates with their super predictive models that are always right, they're guessing at 60,000 dead. And we have these shutdowns. So what gives? Why the shutdown? What's the reason? Well, I mean, I can see some reasons for restricting travel from places that have been heavily affected, but shutting down all non-essential businesses, well, what does that mean? Who decides whether a business is essential or non-essential? And I want to get back to that in just a minute. Okay, so I want to give you an example of the difference between a state that went into complete total lockdown like Colorado and they had a hundred they have 193 deaths from this virus and then you look at a state like South Carolina which did not go into a complete lockdown and they only have 63 deaths okay and then you have states out there with less than 20 deaths so far like Delaware Arkansas Idaho New Hampshire New Mexico Maine Utah Nebraska then you have states with less than 10 deaths, Alaska, Montana, uh, South Dakota, North Dakota, Hawaii, and West Virginia. I mean, why do these states with less than 10 or 20 deaths, why do they need to go into lockdown? It doesn't make sense. Okay, so now back to the whole idea of who decides what's essential versus non-essential, and are there other ways to do things? Because th this is the part that seems just extremely arbitrary, right? I don't know, my, I got a couple of nails in my tires I just discovered today and brought the car in to get a, a, a tire repair. And of course they're open, but why, is that essential to have a, a tire repair place open? I mean, it's essential to me, but it might not be essential for the spread of the virus, okay? And dry cleaners, they, do they have to be closed down? And, you know, restaurants, I mean, and golf courses and parks? Does that make any sense? I mean, can you envision having, let's just use a dry cleaner example, or, you know, a car auto repair type place as an example, or even as a restaurant as an example? Why not limit the number of patrons that can come in at a time, okay? You know, you can have somebody standing outside or just a sign out in front of your store that says, okay, only, you know, let's say it's an auto repair shop, only two customers allowed in at the same time. And 
the, the, the sign could also say, wait until you're called. So, you, you know, you show up outside, you ring a bell, or you, you say, I'm here, or, or whatnot, and they like, okay, give us two minutes, and we'll let this guy leave, and then you can come in. Well, I mean, that, that seems reasonable. Or same thing with a dry cleaner. I mean, most dry cleaners are kind of, they have a small storefront and like a big back area where they keep all the shirts and do all the cleaning, right? So, I mean, you could see a lot of times from the front door where there's a lot of people inside. So you can put up a sign that says something like, hey, two people allowed at the, or even one person, you know, even take the extreme, only one person allowed at a time. And so you're outside the store waiting your turn and that customer leaves and then you go in with your shirts and your pants that you want cleaned, right? I mean, you don't have to shut all these places down. And again, I'll go back to a prior example on dining. Well, all right, spread out the tables instead of filling the restaurant with, a hundred people eating, why not cut it down to 50 people and spread the tables out and you put a whole bunch of tables off to the corner uh, or you just leave the tables in place and you just don't, don't put the silverware on them, right? And you have the, uh, whoever's seating people, they just spread everybody out, open the windows, open the door. You tell, tell people that if you're going to eat here, you might be a little chilly because we got to keep the doors and the windows open, but you could still come and dine in. So, I mean, there's different ways of doing things without doing this complete shutdown. Now, part of the, I guess part of what baffles me is this whole outdoors thing, right? Shelter in place. I mean, I've heard of shelter in place orders being used before for like, you know, there's like a couple of crazy people running around with guns in your neighborhood. You know, remember, I guess with the uh, Boston bombers, I think there was a shelter in place order locally there. And just stay in your home, don't go outside because there's like a huge, you know, manhunt going on for these bombers. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. But shelter in place, like you can't go out and use a park or a golf course. I mean, it's vitamin D is kind of essential for your immune system to work properly. Wouldn't that make you healthier and getting exercise, getting out there and walking uh, an 18-hole course? Doesn't that sound normal to you? I mean, you could, you could go as far as limiting golf to one person at a time. So your tee time's at one o'clock, next tee time is at 1.15, next tee time is at, you know, 1.30, or even spread it out more, but you, you can't play as a foursome, you can't even play as a twosome, you got to do one person at a time. Well, I mean, that's still doable, right? Why do you got to shut down the whole golf course? And then the people that want to go do that, they can get some sun outside, uh, get that vitamin D going, and they can get some exercise. And why shut down parks? Again, the, the, these, the, these things just don't make any sense to me. I mean, your likelihood of contracting uh, the virus or the flu or anything from someone just being outside and you kind of walk within a couple of feet of them is, is virtually zero. You'd have to like sneeze directly on someone walking by at the same time. I mean, what's the chances of that? I mean, can't you turn away from someone when they're walking by you? Or can't you take turns if you're trying to get through like a narrow narrow part of a trail? Uh, I mean, that's what we do. I mean, I'm still taking the kids out hiking. And when there's people walking towards us, we give them space. They give us space. That makes sense. That seems like a, just a normal thing for people to do at this time, right? And you can even, you know, turn your back and face the other way when you're walking by people. 
This way, if you accidentally do cough or sneeze, you're going to sneeze and cough away from them. So now we can talk about like the reason. What's the underlying reason for this mask shutdown that we're seeing in some states across the country? Well, I, maybe the governments want to see what they can get away with, how many rights they can infringe on without there being pushback. Is it some sort of a test run for some sort of future government intervention into your life? So I, I don't know. And I guess nobody knows. I mean, they only know, right? I don't, who knows what's going on in, their, in the politician's head other than trying to get reelected? Because that's pretty much all they care about, right? That and I guess their own power, their own money and financial situation. So, yeah, I just I don't think the different governments, different little local governments are handling this right around the country. And in particular, California. So California was supposed to be this huge hotbed of, you know, disease, and it was going to be horrible. So yeah, we got we got a lot of cases here, but you know, we have uh, over eighteen thousand today as of what is today the April 9th. But New York has almost one hundred and sixty thousand cases, and in my local area in California, we're not seeing a surge of cases. We're, we're definitely not seeing a surge of cases. And a lot of the smaller and local hospitals in my area are empty. The ERs are empty. People are staying home. They're not coming in. Okay, so, yeah, how many elective surgeries and other treatments that could have been performed have been pushed off? How much suffering do these patients have to go through where they're being told to stay home and not go to the ER or they're being told to maybe we'll push off that cancer treatment a little longer, let it metastasize so that instead of being stage two, now you're stage four or something before you can get that treatment. Does that make any sense? Right. So yeah, I, I think there are better ways to handle things and local areas are going to be much better at handling it than a like a statewide approach. And a statewide approach is going to be better than a, a full federal government-wide approach. That's why all these types of decisions need to be uh, done at the local level, okay? Okay, uh, a couple more things I want to talk about. One is it, it kind of sounds like they're cooking the books a little bit when it comes to counting deaths for this Wuhan virus. And what do I mean by that? Well, you've probably seen some of these interviews on TV already where you have some doctors uh, are almost like whistleblowers now. They're coming out and saying that the government, your CDC, FDA people, right? So any, any of these higher-ups and brainiacs in government, they're telling you to count the death of that patient towards coronavirus when the patient just happens to die with the virus and not of the virus. And let me give you an example. So let's say you're in a horrible car accident, okay? You puncture along, you transect the aorta, and yeah, it looks like your chances of survival are pretty bad. And then while you're in the hospital, you're in the ICU, they run a test for the you know, Wuhan virus, and it comes back positive. Well, then you end up dying because your injuries were so severe, they couldn't fix them, and they, no matter what they tried, they couldn't save your life, well, 
I mean, the cause of death there is obviously trauma, right? But they're putting coronavirus on some of these death certificates. And in many of these cases, it's like non-contributory. It's similar to when people die of like heart disease, but they happen to have prostate cancer, okay? So most people, I don't know if you knew this, they don't die of prostate cancer, they die with prostate cancer. So if you have a heart attack and you die and you just happen to have prostate cancer, well, the prostate cancer wasn't the cause, right? It was the heart attack. So wouldn't that seem a little weird if you were changing around these death certificates and you were going to put prostate cancer as the cause of death instead of the heart attack? I mean, that's kind of basically what they're doing in a lot of cases with this coronavirus. So that's going to even inflate the, the death toll even higher than what it already is now. They don't do that for influenza, so why should they do that for coronavirus? I mean, I, th I find that really odd, and I want to see where this story goes to see if we can figure out a reason why. I mean, we can guesstimate at, at reasons and come up with theories on why the government's doing that, but, well, it it's probably makes sense just to wait a little while longer and see if that plays out to any particular rationale. Okay, one last thing I want to leave you with was, I don't know if you've seen him interviewed lately on some of the news channels. This is Obama's man, Ezekiel Manuel. And he's been saying some really crazy stuff. And I really hope uh, a lot of the politicians aren't listening to him. He's been talking about a, a lockdown of the entire country for up to 18 months. 18 months. Are you nuts? I mean, just... Do you know how much pain and suffering that'll bring to millions of people across the country if you try to lock everything down for 18 months? And the amount of debt the government would go into just supporting everything for 18 months, all the businesses that have closed and all the people that have lost their jobs, I mean, this would be outrageous. I mean, we're, the government, or the United States, we're already broke. We would be even more broke. And here's the problem when we become more and more broke. Well, government doesn't have any money, right? The only money the government has, they take from the taxpayers, right? Okay, I call it theft. Government calls it taxation. But when you get to these ridiculous levels of government spending, they can't tax that from people. They have to turn to the Fed, and the Fed being the printing press. So government needs the money, wants to do something, whether it's for a war or to give people welfare checks, or in this case, they want to give tons of money out to businesses that were forced to close. Well, they're going to turn to the Fed. Fed's going to print the money, and the money will get dispersed. That's going to cause a horrendous amount of inflation. Maybe not right now, maybe not tomorrow, but eventually, right? You're, you're just flooding the market with dollars, and you're keeping the same number of goods and services out there. Or in fact, you're probably even limiting the number of goods and services. So you have more money chasing after the same or less amount of goods and services. Well, what does that do? That just drives the price up of everything. And again, I've said this in prior podcasts and trying to get some, I guess, economic education out there to people is that inflation hurts the poor the most, right? Rich people don't care if a cheeseburger costs five bucks or 20 bucks, but you know who cares? Poor people, yes, 
right? They want to buy a cheeseburger. It means a big deal to them if it costs 20 bucks versus five bucks. Okay, how can you feed your family? Let's say you have a family of four, right? You need four cheeseburgers, four times 20, you're looking at 80 bucks versus four times five, it would be 20 bucks. That's a big difference. And that doesn't even include the fries and the Coke. Okay, so, so people like this, I find are very dangerous calling for a possible 18-month shutdown of the government and then just having the Fed try to come in and bail everybody out and support everybody. That's going to cause a lot of problems, more than we could possibly foresee, more than your elected officials can possibly foresee, and it's not a good idea. Okay, well, that's all I really wanted to get across to you guys today. I wanted this to be a, a quick podcast on some of the things I've been hearing in the news. So at this point, I would say don't believe everything you hear in the media. Please look at what the media is saying and what the government is saying with skepticism because, you know what, they're wrong a lot. They really are. And uh, I wouldn't put doctors up on a pedestal either. They've been wrong so many times. I mean, I can't even count. Uh, and just a couple examples of the doctors being wrong were, you know, on the whole diet, low-fat, high-carb diet being healthy for you. Okay, well, I mean, that's led to a, an explosion in diabetes. And doctors at one point in this country told you it was okay to smoke. Hmm, there you go. Well, thank you for listening to the Liberty on Fire podcast, and we'll see you next time.